Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. Joining me on the line from a, a top secret location, although very close to where United's next fixture will be played, I believe, is Jay, aka Blades Analytic. How you doing? I'm very well, mate. I am hoping that audio-wise, we are pleasing people here with this uh, this brand new Wi-Fi setup thing that we have. Great yeah, technology this, these days, isn't it? Yeah, we, we've we've pulled out all the stops this week. We've progressed from. Uh, you know, tin cup and a piece of string to uh, to this newfangled Wi-Fi stuff. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. But so far, it sounds quite promising, I think. And yeah, hopefully, it'll do well. I've, I missed the trick introducing you. I, I I failed to introduce you as the uh, the star of Sheffield Live and, of course, the not the top twenty podcast, which you made a special guest appearance on last week. How was that? It was uh, it was very good, mate. Very brief, but. We both listen to George and Ali a lot. They're good guys, and uh, it was nice. And may I congratulate you on being on national radio <laughs> on Talks? <laughs> Benny's now the official Sheffield United representative for Talksport. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, another a, a, a very brief appearance for me as well. Uh, but yeah, nice, uh, nice for us both to get that recognition, I guess. And uh, yeah, good to good to chat to those guys. I mean, if anyone doesn't listen to not the top twenty at the moment, it's. Uh, it's an extremely good podcast. I do recommend it. Um, obviously, it talks quite a bit about United in the last one, obviously, with yourself on there as well. But it's it's just a step above any of the kind of like, oh, this team in League One won a game, therefore they must be really good. They actually go into some detail and know what they're talking about. So, yeah, strong recommend for that one. But enough of that. Let's talk about, well, let's talk about many things, actually. I mean, we're recording this on the, it's Monday, the 10th of September, uh, it's fairly late in the evening. We're going to try and stay awake, I think. So um, this will probably go up on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to talk about a number of things today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Aston Villa, the win, win over them last week. Uh, we're going to try and rate our transfer window with uh, give some scores to players that have come in and gone out. Uh, and then we're going to play a kind of a game with some some narratives of the season so far in the championship, uh, where we I guess take a look at the league table so far and some of the yeah the narratives the the media stories that have kind of cropped up so far and and try and basically say whether we think they're gonna they're gonna sort of carry through the season or whether it's a bit of a fluke and uh, yeah you can, just a flash in the pan kind of thing. So um, yeah, if if you're all ready, let's. Uh, Let's talk about Aston Villa. I mean, that was now like nine days ago. Have we calmed down after that win, do you think? is uh, how, how are you feeling about it? No, I'm not calm at all. I still think it was amazing. <laughs> with the best team in the world. The line <laughs> he wouldn't have got a kit. Oliver Norwood is better than Paul Pogba before scores and even Gerard rolled into one. Wow. <laughs> That's a bold take to start the podcast. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness now, I mean... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I wrote this in my conclusions piece, but have to work very hard to think of when when the United team played that well. I mean, I I wrote this, but you know we had some amazing wins in the cup under under Warnock, under Clough as well. But but most of those were kind of battling performances. Sometimes against teams who were sort of struggling a little bit themselves. You know, I'm thinking like uh, you know the win over QPR. I think Hull may have got relegated this season. We'd be. Uh, played them in the semi-final but you know this is we were playing a team that uh you know even with that result are probably going to finish top six and they're a, a favorite for promotion and yeah we absolutely hammered them didn't we it was a a joy to behold absolutely um and it, it was really weird of a game actually because watching it you know uh, you've been there and then you know all the kind of free-for-all after of how amazing it was and 
you're looking at some of the individual performances and you just think we've, we've just dominated one of the best sides in the division. I mean, what does this mean? Um, you know, on this tiny sample size, but kind of, you know, as you clinically reflect as the days and, and weeks go by, you look at the stats and things. And it's just what what really struck me is just how bloody clinical we were. You know, every chance we got in that first half an hour, you know, the odd the odd ones got saved, but literally every chance we got, we scored from. Even the half chances, like the Duffy goal and the Norwood free kick, and when we when you get the old football cliches of scoring at the right time, that game was the example and the epitome of that. You know, every every time we went forward, we scored, and it just completely sapped any confidence away from Villa. They had nothing after that second goal went in, and it was only going to go one way for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, their own fans were fighting in the Bramall Lane lower tier at uh, 3-0 in the first half. And I mean, you know, I, I kind of see, obviously, uh, you and I both pay attention to expected goals and that will come up uh, many more times on this podcast as with, with the subjects we've got coming up. But, you know, I saw some of the kind of takes on this game afterwards were like, oh, you know, it may be a little fortunate, a little flat, not fortunate, flattered by the scoreline, which is essentially what you've just said. We, you know, we, we took half chances or... I mean, I don't know what the XG was on the uh, the Norwood goal, for example, but I would imagine extremely low, like possibly uh, Kieran Freeman at, at Bolton levels of uh, of chance quality. But at the same time, you know, 3-0 didn't flatter us, I felt like. You know, Villa just, just didn't get a kick. They didn't get into our half. We, you know, we sort of basically just completely held them at arm's length. We, we you know, played fast attacking football. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think you'll find many Villa fans that would say... United were uh, flattered by the scoreline. If anything, I thought uh, I thought it, it was the other way, and that's that's kind of I suppose the limitations of XG. If you if you just focus in on that one stat, I guess you could say that about any stat really. If you just drill into one stat and don't look at the big picture, then well, then I guess you don't get the big picture of the of the game, which was that uh, yeah, we were extremely good value for that four one win. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tried to explain this actually to Ali and George, and not the top twenty. You know, as you say, they, they they have to be clinical because they don't get to see every game. So rather than being the old cliche, they do look at shot data, they do look at XG, they do look at kind of, not possession stats, but, you know, they let that form part of their picture. And, and what they saw was a game in which we had more shots, we had a better XG, but not four goals, you know, and they, Villa had all the possession. So they were wondering if we were, really did dominate the game or just take our chances. And, I, you know, I really found it hard to, to clinically explain, other than just my opinion, that, we absolutely dominated this game. Like it, it wasn't even in doubt. There wasn't a period where I even thought Villa were going to get back into it. If they had the ball, it's because we let them have it. You know, we, we let them have areas which were non-threatening and they're non-threatening players. Basically, they're centre-backs in, in the middle of the pitch, you know, in front of us, basically, when we sat in. We, and just so clever tactically as well. Wilder does not, and this team as well, not just Wilder, they, we don't get credit for being tactically clever. Everyone just says we're, we're Sheffield United, we're going to chase and run a lot. Far from it. You know, this this is a game where we just did a lot of different facets to the game. When we needed to press, we pressed. When we needed to sit in and just let Villa have the ball, like just stay compact, let Villa have the ball, don't let them create, we did. We took chances, we played with variety, we went long, we went short. It's just, I don't think we get the credit we deserve sometimes, uh, and some people might like that because it doesn't highlight Wilder, but I personally want to see, you know, because... The man deserves... He's just absolutely outthought a team that have got players in it that's apparently worth 40 million quid. Mm. It does seem like Grealish's value has gone up uh, like 10 million every day when people are talking about this game. But, uh, <laughs> but 
but yeah anyway um yeah just uh it, it was a great day like uh yeah you know to Villa are a big team. I hate talking about big clubs, but you know when you see a packed away end and you see some of the, you know, some of the names in their team, and you know they, they've just brought in Balassi and Tammy Abraham, who, who um, uh, were not fit or eligible to play this game. Slightly, slightly fortunately for us, I think. Um, and yeah, that you know our boys put together. I can't remember the phrase used last year, but it was like magic dust and pocket change is basically what this side has been assembled from and. Yeah, God, we, God, we look good the last couple of games. Really, really good. Very, very good. Um, and I, that is, a, you know, regardless of what I'm saying there, that is clearly a performance that the rest of the league sit up and take notice of. You know, they, you, not many sides are going to beat Aston Villa 4-1 this year, regardless of how terrible their fans say they are, you know, this whole Steve Bruce thing or whatnot. We just, you know, we, we make Jack Grealish and John McGinn look poor, really poor. Um, you know, they've got a £10 million striker up front, and he is, he is that good. You know, he was that good at Bristol City. And he hardly got a kick because Egan and Egan and O'Connell just absolutely dominated him. Um, you know, and I just, I, yeah, we can all quote the figures. I know they're just figures. That they're players, really, and it's, it's the players that win the game. But I just, I can't get over how outstanding we were in different facets of the game to what we normally are. We're not normally that clever, you know, and that, that's not a criticism. We normally have our style and we impose our style. And if we, if it doesn't quite work, it just doesn't quite work. I'm starting to see different sides of United and it falls in with what you talk about, which is game management. Um, you know, and I, I, I think, I, I'm sure you've gone through this as well with some people on social media. How many different formations did we display during that game? Yeah. Because uh, uh, we went, what, 5-3-2, at some point, 4-2-3-1. Uh, there was lots of different variations. Yeah, particularly as we were kind of, uh, I, I think when it went from four nil to to four one, yeah, I think we then, yeah, switched things up massively. Um, I mean, you mentioned yeah, sort of game management there, and you know, I guess there's always this thing of like, oh, I just wish we'd keep, you know, we keep pushing and not sit back because you know that invites teams onto us. But we did it perfectly. I mean, I know Villa ended up having as many shots as us. I think it was nine each, but I think only only two of them were inside the penalty area. One was the goal. The other one was a a pretty weak header or something like that. They just created absolutely nothing apart from the goal in the last half an hour when we when we did sit off them and allow them possession in non-dangerous areas and they were just having to sort of ferry it from side to side. Eventually they cross it in. Uh, one of our three fantastic central defenders on the day and you know certainly for the last three or four games as well just headed it away and uh, and away we go. And yeah, there's, there's a couple of... Uh, you tweet out some of the video clips of this, but some of the football we played as well, you know, the sort of individual moments and the, the, the team moves, you know, that great, that phenomenal move that led to the McGoldrick chance that was saved from close range was just just breathtaking football from the entire team, you know. McGoldrick, you know, we, we uh, I think we headed it clear. Somebody has like the, I think it's Freeman has the poise to sort of, you know, not whack it, but touch it back inside. And McGoldrick dribbles away from a couple of players, gets cycled around. Lundstrom's like rolling the rolling his foot over the ball, and then yeah, Norwood plays this brilliant pass in, and yeah, it was just a just a great day to be a blade. I think, genuinely, one of the more enjoyable afternoons I've had for a very very long time, and you know, there's been some good ones in the last few years for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I can't. I almost don't want to say more, mate, because I think you've summed it up beautifully there. But that, that it's, it's, it's one of the most, I think we've said it a couple of times this year already, it was one of the most complete performances. And it was a team performance as well. There was players who clearly played extremely well, but for me, there wasn't a star. It was the system. 
was the whole unit. You know, McGoldrick was great. Norwood was great. Basham, you know, again, Chris Basham, people don't see this. Chris Basham was, again, the top player for, for the kind of XG chain. So, talk about that in more detail another time. But we're talking about, you know, a player who was involved in the, the build-up to the best chances in the game. Chris Basham was, was our highest player in that game that he's rating. And he's constantly there on that. You know, he's always involved in the build-up. And Freeman was good again. And there's... You know, I, I guess we've got to mention it. The John Lundstrom tackle was poor. <laughs> that was wonderful. I, I enjoyed that uh, a great deal at the time. And, uh, yeah, it was, we, we, uh, you know, the next few days just seeing it on, on social media, the GIFs and the, the videos of it were, yeah, just, just exacerbated how much I enjoyed that. You know, what a, what a fantastic... It's just everything you want from a United team. And it's like, you know, we, we're just passing you off the park essentially and you've got this guy who's just falling over all the time and we just absolutely crunched him with a, a fair tackle in like I think that was like right at the end wasn't it it was pretty much an injury time so the game's over we're 4-1 up and he's just rolling around on the floor having been perfectly cleanly tackled and uh, yeah the game's going on around him <laughs> it was just really funny uh, I mean Grealish is a good player this is the thing but he's, oh, he's, yeah. he's so frustrating like I'm sure Villa fans oh, yeah. probably love him but Man, just stay on your feet. Like he does get fouled a lot, yeah. but not every tackle is a foul, and not every tackle or foul has the potential to break your leg. Look, you know, again, we're a bit more clinical than I'm sure we're passionate there in the stadium. We're a bit more clinical, mm. so I understand these days, you know. But at the same token, we're talking about a bit of personal pride here. Surely, at four-one down, you yeah. know, you've been played off the pitch, supposed to be a superstar. You get smashed in the tackle. You get back up, don't you, and win the ball back. You put up that, you know. Where's, his, where's, you know, he's not our player, so I don't care, quite frankly. But he just, I think he, go, he went to show the character of the man, didn't it? Mm, you know, I think so. That. On that note, I just wanted to quickly say that I hope to God that he's the type of thing that can make John Lundstrom have another chance with, with some fans who maybe have wrote him. You know, I, this is not a time to dig anyone out or anything. I'm just saying that's the type of thing that gives him credit in the bank now. It sounds silly, but. It was that good of a tackle. It makes him a bit of a cult hero for that tackle. Yeah, and I, I think so. Yeah, you win. I had some people tweeting me. So, I mean, they were probably a bit tongue-in-cheek, but yeah, because I tweeted something about the tackle almost immediately after the game. And I had a lot of people saying, like, oh, I never really rated him, but, you know, I've changed my mind now just on the basis of that. So, yeah, hopefully a little bit of credit there. All right, mate. Let's uh, let's move on then. Uh, as much as it pains me to do so, because that was that was a, a great day, as I said. Um, yeah. So before we move on to rating our transfer window, uh, we played a testimonial last week with Sheffield FC for Matt Roney, who's played I think it was like four hundred games for the club, which is pretty amazing. Uh, I went along to this one. Uh, they play in uh, the town I grew up in, uh, and uh, you know the grounds next to a very good pub, so. Always worth heading there. Uh, and United played a pretty strong team, including the first football for Paul Coots in 10 months, who started the game and played 65 minutes. So, yeah, this was uh, this was great to see. I mean, to be honest, we uh, <laughs> we, you know, we, we played with quite a bit of intensity in this game. We were, we were certainly trying to score every time we got the ball and, uh, yeah, ended up uh, 11-2 to us with a, a late penalty uh, awarded after a foul on on former England captain and notable Sheffield Wednesday fan, Michael Vaughan, uh, which Roney took and scored. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the main thing to take out of it, apart from a Goldrick just smashing the ball into the net repeatedly, which just reminded me of um, 
like the competitive dad sketch from Fast Show. Do you ever see that? Where it's it's just like completely owning his kids at cricket, just smashing the ball for six every time. That's what that reminded me of. But um, yeah, the, the main thing to to say about that game: Paul Coots back, played some football, uh, looked very very good. I mean, he he played quite um, quite a deep role, so he was never really under any kind of physical pressure, I guess. But you know, rolls roycing the ball around the pitch, played a great ball for uh, Freeman to cross for the first goal, which scored by Marvin Johnson, I think it was. Hit the bar as well from 20 yards and, you know, just, just generally looked like, uh, yeah, the, the class act he is. I mean, yeah, it was just good to see number 15 back on the pitch, basically. So hopefully that's the uh, the start of a non-too-lengthy rehabilitation period and he can get back into... Um, Proper proper action, I guess. I mean, because it's worth pointing out, actually, was actually named on the bench for the Villa game, which was a nice little lift, I think, for everyone as well. It came came a little bit out of nowhere, I think. But yeah, just wanted to give a, a few quick thoughts on the on that friendly. I'm assuming you weren't able to to get a stream for this one, were you? No, no, no <laughs> mate. It was a bit of a journey as well from Lincoln at that time, and I. <laughs> Nice one. All right. So, uh, yeah, welcome back, Paul Coots. And, yeah, hopefully be playing for the first team in competitive action very soon. Uh, Shall we attempt to rate our transfer window? All right. So how we're going to do this is we're going to run through all our signings and also our notable, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Departures, I guess. Sales probably is better. Um and we're going to give a rating. Uh, I, I think the way to think about this is how happy are you with this transfer out of 10? That's probably the that's probably the shorthand way of putting it. So for each one, you know, we're going to take into account, yeah, how happy we are. Uh, I think we can include performances so far, if applicable. Obviously, with some of them, it won't be applicable. Uh, maybe the money spent and the money received and the, the value of that, you know, whether it's... Uh, if it's a player who's come in, does it address a position of need, which we, you know, definitely identify going into the season? Maybe players kind of age, their, their sort of reputation, anything you think is worth including, basically. So let's start with our club record signing. We'll go through the ins first, and then we'll we'll hit the the outs a bit more quickly at the end. So um, yeah, let's start with John Egan then. Club record signing, uh, four million pounds, central defender from Brentford. Um, I think this is panned out so far on paper I was extremely happy with this you know we had a couple of shaky games to start the season but now that we have a bit more evidence I am very happy with this signing uh, I would give this a 9 out of 10 I know we sort of probably paid the the upper level of his value I guess but championship pedigree he his profile is exactly what we needed you know this this kind of stopper player that could play in our central defence win headers be you know dominant in the air uh, I think he's been brilliant the last few games. So, yeah, looks uh, for four million. I mean, it's sort of a lazy comparison, but I think Wednesday paid four and a half for that Van Aken, who's I think is still twisting and turning around after Duffy destroyed him uh, a year ago. Um, it looks it looks perfectly fine value for money uh, to me in this market. I think so. A nine out of ten happiness rating for that transfer for me. How about you? Uh... Yeah, I, I'm pretty much along the, very much the same lines in terms of um, he fills the, the gap I felt we needed. Um, I think there was that shaky start and Stearman came in and played very well and reminded us of what Stearman brings, which is that composure and intelligence and kind of leadership. But I think uh, as the season's progressed and certainly as, as O'Connell's performance has improved and as the team have improved, Egan has become more settled. And I think Wilder made a very clear point in the first two games, which was John has never played in a back three before properly. 
you know, so this this was something that you had to learn. We have a very particular style, um, and the central role of the three is very individual, um, and it, it does take some learning. He obviously is the dominant centre-half, so he's going to win the aerial threat at the ball. He's going to clear a lot. He's probably going to be our most defending defender, if you see what I mean. Um, but more than that, I, th- I think the big thing that I like is, is the clear one, which is the set-piece threat. Yeah, um, which, which which I did good. not mention. Go on. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's, it was it was there before Norwood come, but with Norwood's quality, it's just added that dimension now, and it it's it's done two things. It's Johnny Egan himself has, has always been one of the best defenders in the championship for goals and XG. So him, he's only ever been behind Aidan Flynn in terms of this from some set pieces. So he added that threat, and then he's also because John Egan's there and, and defenders are aware of his threat, it's freed up Jack O'Connell's space as well. So we're now we're seeing Jack score already in his XG. You know he's had a couple of chances, and John's had a couple of chances and got a goal. So it's a huge element that to add, and I think we all touched on this last year. It's so underrated. England did it well in the World Cup, and without going too active on this, you know his defensive work has been good, and he looks pretty solid. If not, you know, not extraordinary, but solid. But that added dimension probably makes that value more than worth it because it's going to open up a new element for us. Because if we can score more goals in the game first or, or draw in level from set pieces, our open play is more than good enough anyway. So it really does make us a very strong team. I like it. So what, what would you rate the uh, the transfer then? Is that you're, How happy are you with it? Yeah, I, I was kind of trying to talk myself around to a nine, but I'm going to have to go an eight because, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to have to go an eight on that one because I'm, I'm still... I wouldn't say I'm unconvinced, but I still think he can be better defensively. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's, he can do better. I'm yet to see him be that good on the ball either. Um, I think That's he's been fair. solid. I don't think he's done anything wrong. But, you know, when we signed him, I think we, we posted out the video of a kind of long-range passing um, that he was doing at Brentford. I've not not quite seen that yet. Uh, and that could be a really nice element to add in as well. But I guess when you've got Norwood, just give it him a nice five-yard pass, right? <laughs> Very true. Uh, well, speaking of Norwood, let's uh, let's move on to him next. So I'll, I'll let you give a rating first uh, here. So we picked up Norwood uh, for a, around two million, I believe it was. He's obviously uh, he's here on a, a loan to buy deal. Which, just to be clear, this you know, there's no going back on that. He is essentially a Sheffield United player. It will just be confirmed in January. It's not it's not the case that uh, Brighton can suddenly pull the plug on it and then sell him for more to someone else. So. Yeah, just everyone calm down on that one. Um, which I, I guess the fact that I'm even saying that probably gives a bit of a spoiler for for the rating I'm likely to give here. But go on, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you lead this one off. <laughs> well, I don't want to lose uh, your your wonderful comfy control over this, but I think the only way to talk about Norwood is also to incorporate the Lee Evans departure. That's the, very the fair. That. Well, it's two reasons. A, they're playing the same position. Um, and, and B, the Lee Evans transfer offsets that Norwood value. The fact that we sold Lee Evans for a million pounds really means we got Ollie Norwood for a million. In my head, that's, you know, if we talk about incomes and outgoings. Now, when you add up that into the balance, consider Evans was a good enough player. You know, you add up, me and you have always said we rate decent enough player. But what we have now got in Norwood, I, I'm going the full hog. Cliver Norwood's a 10 out of 10 signing so far. I also have ten out of ten. Had that much impact on us? Yeah, I mean, you just you can't not surely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just use the word impact, and it's it's been massive. I mean, we just talked about Egan from set pieces, but you know, O'Connell's scored his first goal in over a year, also from a set piece after you know not really being much of a threat last season. 
he is. I, I think you're absolutely right to talk about this in uh, yeah in in terms of the the Evans outgoing as well. Because yeah, I thought Evans is a perfectly fine, you know, adequate championship player. Norwood is a step above. Uh, he's uh, you know he's a step probably a step above anything else we have. I mean, I can't remember whether we've talked about this already, but I mean, you know, the last couple of games, well, pretty much since he signed, to be honest. I mean. You know, it is on a level with where Coots was at the start of last season. I think you know that the level of poise and the range of passing, and then you have the the set piece stuff is just a an incredible bonus, which adds so much to our team. You know, we've always had this reputation as being great from set pieces, but we actually haven't for a very long time. And suddenly, we are from almost literally every single set piece. And yeah, as you say, the value is incredible. Uh, he's still pretty young. I think he's in about twenty seven, twenty eight. You know he's he's got uh, a lot of pedigree at this level. Promoted the last two years, I think, with uh, with Huddersfield and Fulham. Did I get that right? Yeah, Fulham and Brighton. Right. Fulham and Brighton was it? Sorry, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I just think uh, yeah, if if he carries on playing like this, he, you know, he could be a sort of Championship Team of the Year kind of contender. He's he's been unbelievable so far. So yeah, an an incredible signing to be honest. I mean. He is still, I guess, what he's only played like three or four games for us. But I already think you could probably put that on a par with uh, John Fleck. As you know, what a great signing that is for what we've got out of the the amount that we've spent for him. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to go ten out of ten on that one as well. Uh, next up is Dean Henderson, who is only on loan uh, from Manchester United. Um, I give this. Um, go on, sorry, about to say something. Yeah, no, no, I was just, just, just laughing because my Dean Henderson mark is just all about Dean Henderson as a person, not just a player. <laughs> I'm now looking. I'm now looking at mine and sort of thinking maybe I've done exactly the same thing actually. Um, yeah, I, I feel this is a little high. I'm gonna knock this down to an eight actually, eight out of ten for how happy I am with this signing. Uh, he's, I, I guess it's just that he's he's on loan, uh, so yeah, you know, it is kind of hard to think of negatives for this one. He's extremely good so far. Uh, I love how he's fitted into the sort of, you know, the attitude of the team, the attitude of the fans. You know, I, I saw him with a, uh, a sort of cheeky tweet to somebody the other day and said, like, I can't believe Henderson's acting like this and he's only on loan. And he'd, he'd replied saying, for now. And that was his only response. Which, yeah. That was absolutely brilliant. Um, so I, I guess just, you know, the fact he's, he's on loan and we're pretty unlikely to sign him, I guess, permanently. Uh, would be my only thing to kind of bring the overall happiness rating with the signing down. Extremely happy is here. I think he's a fantastic player. But yeah, I guess you could say like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe uh, we're just sort of delaying a problem in a year's time when we're we're going to have to go out and find another goalkeeper. I guess that's probably my, my thinking here is you, you kind of much rather have your own goalkeeper who's, you know, going to be brilliant and he's going to play for you for the next six or seven years. But at the same time, he probably won't be as good as Dean Henderson is. So, yeah, it's, it goes both ways, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I'll go 8 out of 10 as a signing, I think. That's fair. I'm going 9 out of 10. Okay. Um, uh, and the other, Again, I, I think fair is a, it's fair. Um, okay, so performance-wise, he's already won us two points. Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially three, really, when you think about it, in the Norwich game. Obviously, that chance. I don't care what the linesman was saying about. It, they would have called it offside. I'm not sure that would have happened. Yes. Um, and that, that say from that chance, at one-one, a stops us from going behind, and b means that we carry on the pressure so that Billy Sharp scores in the last minute. So that save really saved us already three points. 
And I think when you look at goalkeepers these days, we're a lot more... There's many stats, and I'm starting to do databases now on, on goalkeeper XG and goalkeeper saved XG, things like that. But that, that'll take some sample size to build. But I think when you look at goalkeepers, really, what you're looking at is, A, are they calm and do they do all the basics right? And B, do they save you points? Um, and I, I'm very confident that Dean Henderson's going to save more points than he drops for us this year. I think he's that good of a goalkeeper. I really do. And then there's the characteristics as well. Um, you've been away, so I'm not sure you've seen it. Have you seen his latest Instagram video? I haven't actually. Yeah, I've been on uh, I've been on international duty with a, a brief trip to Spain, although not for football, unfortunately. So no, I haven't seen this. Can you enlighten me and uh, anyone else who's not seen it? So obviously, Dean Henderson's fine form last year and for the Blades this year in, in a call up to the under twenty ones, England, and he started the other day. Uh, the game was at Carrow Road, uh, and and Dean Henderson, in his infinitely brilliant wisdom, decided to walk into Carrow Road, singing "Take Your Time, Chef United, Take Your Time." <laughs> And put it on Instagram. Did he really so do that? We have runs from his goal to the, the south stand, knee sliding four metres across the pitch. He's bouncing around Sheffield singing You Fill Up My Senses and now he's walking into an away ground singing the song we take the piss out of them for. That's so good. I, I did see a bit of that game, actually. Uh, I didn't see the accompanying Instagram video. But, um, yeah, I saw him, uh, you know, just nonchalantly control a sort of 60-yard pass outside his area with a phenomenal first touch and then just, just lay it off to some. I think it was a through ball from the opposition. And, you know, instead of kind of just letting it uh, bounce into his box and catching it, instead he just stood in the D and casually killed it and laid it off to someone else. So, yeah, I've uh, I've got some very strong feelings towards him already. So, yeah, that sounds good. All right, next one. David McGoldrick uh, signed on a free transfer after being released by Ipswich. What would you rate this signing as? So, I would have said, um, and again, I don't want to waffle too much on with this, I would have said before the Aston Villa game, probably a seven. I think it's been a very solid start from McGoldrick, definitely contributed, um, and definitely worth his place in the team in an upgrade on last year. After the Villa game, I'm going to say eight plus to a nine. And I, I, that sounds silly that one game can influence that, but at this early stage of the season, I think it can, because it, it helps build up more size. And his numbers are, you know, the numbers, the kind of XA, XG numbers, the passing numbers, they're, they're transforming. A game, you know, one good game can spike them high, one poor game spikes them low. This was a very good game for Mr. McGoldrick. And he's now Sheffield United's top player for combined XG and XA. So if we look at both of them together, expected assists and expected goals, McGoldrick has the highest total figure. Um, he has contributed a hell of a lot more than just that. He contributes in build-up play with, with key passing, with that kind of chance creation. He's dribbling against Villa was outstanding. So the way he went by players, but more than that, the way he just controls and kills every single ball that comes into him. I think we had a, a lot on the pod last year. We used to have kind of debates about Clayton Donaldson um, and about how he's probably the, one of the most dispossessed men in the division, but he also wins a lot of fouls. And that's, that's kind of his game. He's the big guy up front who, who holds it up and wins fouls. What we've got now is just the best technical version of that type of player, which if the ball goes into McGoldrick's feet, he keeps it. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, and I, I just think he is a brilliantly valuable option from, from either the bench or starting. And, you know, I found Chris Wilder this weekend. I, I quite like Leon Clark. He's had a very good start to the season, but I, I'm not sure how I can drop David McGoldrick. No. I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think his, uh, I think the shirt is her. It, well, it has to be his, I guess, for um, for the, the foreseeable after that Villa performance. 
Um, I'm also an eight out of ten for this. Uh, I, I love a uh, a low risk signing, I guess, from from my years of managing teams with uh, low budgets on Football Manager. Um, so uh, yeah, free transfer McGoldrick, who looks a clear upgrade on Clayton Donaldson, as you said. Uh, I mean, yeah, as a as a, a footballer, possibly second to Duffy, I think, in you know levels of kind of skill and control and, and vision that he has on the ball you know I guess that's why we saw in that Norwich game he sort of dropped off a little bit into kind of an attacking midfield role as well uh, it's chipped in with some goals some assists as you say um, yeah just a, a very very good signing I mean the only reason I'd I'd go 8 out of 10 you know if, he, if he's 23, 24 uh, this is a 9 out, nine or 10 out of 10 signing for me but also there's no way we're signing him on a free transfer if he's 23, 24 so yeah, eight, 8 out of 10. Great, great signing again, I think. Uh, next up is... This is a hard one to rate, to be fair, but, you know, we want to we want to take a, an overall view of the window. So, uh, Kean Bryan, a youngster that uh, we signed on a free transfer from Manchester City. Uh, he was on loan at Oldham last season, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, we haven't seen him yet. Uh, he, by the sounds of it, didn't get a preseason with with Man City in any in any form, or at least nothing to get him kind of match ready. I think he's had an illness as well. I believe Wilder said that a little while ago. So it was a little bit surprising not to see him in the squad for the Sheffield FC testimonial last week. But yeah, this is this seems to be one for the future. He's obviously brought in uh, not as a replacement for Jack O'Connell's imminent sale, as everyone freaked out about when he joined, but. As uh, as potential cover at centre back, particularly the left side of centre back, where we, uh, you know, we don't have uh, any other natural left footers, foot, left footers, excuse me, who can play that position. You know, if O'Connell happened to get injured or something like that. So, yeah, I get a five out of ten on the basis that, you know, it could turn out to be a great bit of business. It could turn out to be, you know, a bit like Ben Hennigan, where we end up essentially moving on from him in a year or so but free transfer you know it's come from a a big club who obviously saw something in him before they released him so yeah one kind of a reserve judgment um rating i guess so yeah five out of ten for me that's fair um i've got kind of just two key key things i want to say about this one um one how good is it that our kind of squad signings are now those experienced championship players or now in Keith Bryan's case a young player who is at one of the best sides if not the best side in the world who they rated highly they would never have been near the first team but they rated him highly at the academy and he's come to us on a free transfer so A how, how good is that that that's our squad building from now on and B how good is our contact that we got that on a free transfer you know because I, I can't imagine we were the only club in for him I know Rangers were and there was a, either a medical issue or, or he turned them down. I, I don't know the ins and outs, but there's no way we're the only club interested in Keith Bryan on a free transfer. So our contacts are clearly, you know, these silly transfer windows and people are complaining. Trust me, the club know what they're doing. Uh, and the only thing, the other thing I would say is I did look at some of his Oldham kind of video and the, his stats from there. He didn't play loads and loads of games, so it, is, it isn't a sample size that we should go off. But one thing I will say, he's very classy on the ball. Um, he had some of the best passing stats for centre-halves in the league. So not just the Oldham, he had some of the best passing stats. And they were predominantly a lumpet team, but he was trying to play. Um, and he was very athletic as well. He's quick across the ground. He's very strong. Now, for me, that's a player that Chris Wilder can mould. Um, you know, if you give Chris Wilder someone with athletic prowess at a young age, he'll teach them tactics, he'll, teach, he'll motivate them, and he'll get him you know, to a level where 
he probably wouldn't be any other club. So uh, I'm going to give this one a six just on the basis that the guy's got pedigree. He's got that athletic side of the game, which we do sometimes lack. And it's nice to have it in the squad. And I just trust Wilder to make him into a player. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that's a fantastic point um, uh, about the the kind of the shifting market that we've we're now shopping in, if you like. I mean, the easy comparison is uh, is our January transfer window where we signed a bunch of players from uh, League One and Two, I believe. Um, but yeah, if I look down the list of our ins now, so uh, I, I won't name them just yet because we're coming on to them. But uh, essentially, the list goes established. Championship teams captain, Premier League player, Premier League player, established Championship team, formerly of a Premier League team, on loan from a Premier League team, established Championship player from a Premier League team, on loan from a team who were in the Premier League a couple of years ago and are now like an upper Championship team. And yeah, that that contrasts very strongly with you know Ryan Leonard, Ricky Holmes, etc. That joined us uh, joined us last January. So yeah, great point and uh, good call I think on that rating. All right, next one. Talking of uh, players from the Premier League, uh, I believe it's your turn to uh, to go first as well. But uh, Ben Woodburn on loan from Liverpool, and I'm very curious to see what rating you will give this signing. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting one, hasn't it, Ben Woodburn? So far, um, I think there's been a lot of <sighs> yeah, it's really, really hard. This, I think there's been a lot of talk about Woodburn. Um, and what he would bring. Uh, obviously, so we sold David Brooks, we signed Ben Woodburn. They're both Welsh, they're both young, they both play a similar kind of role, people thought. All of a sudden, there's this expectation that Woodburn, because of the, the highly regardness of which Liverpool have him, the moments that he has had for Wales and, and Liverpool and the youth team, and then in his Premier League starts, that this kid's going to come in, potentially be better than Brooks, and you know, Wilder is a genius. And I don't think the club ever said that. Ben Woodburn is a highly talented technical player. Um, I think when, when, when I, the, the, obviously I have the benefit of, some other fans don't, when I have a, a look at the video of Ben Woodburn, I didn't see a David Brooks player. He's not that player. He's not that dynamic. He's not going to dribble past three or four people like Brooks could. Um, he, he's more of a number 10, number nine dropping off, and he's going to link play well. He's very good on the ball, and I think we have seen that. I also think we've seen a lack of maybe tactical intelligence yet of where he needs to be, uh, and maybe just a lack of impact in a game. Um, and that's going to happen at 18. I think there's quality there, and it will come out over the season. And I think I, I wrote an article on expected assist, and I chose specifically a Ben Woodburn, you know, expected assist to show the example of what they are. But the reason I wanted to show it was show Blades fans the quality this kid's got. It was a crossing the Norwich game to Leon Clark, and I actually completely forgot about it when the game was on. But basically, Leon misses from about four yards on a half volley. It's a pretty easy chance, actually. Hmm. Um, and it's a great cross from Woodburn it's right in the danger zone he takes out three or four defenders and I think individual moments like that fill me with hope so to sum it up on Woodburn I think we've not seen anything so far but at the same time I think he has got a lot of quality and hopefully that'll come forward so I'm going to give it a, a 5 out of 10 at the minute OK I've gone, I've gone a bit higher just on the basis that so I've gone 7 out of 10 I was like oh me and I'm between a 6 and a 7 and I guess just to uh, you know just to remind anybody listening that this isn't a rating of uh, you know what we think the player's ability is. It's to you know how happy are we with the signing and uh, taking in all the factors that we kind of know and believe, I suppose. And yeah, I, I think you know, as you say, definitely has quality and will almost certainly go on to be a 
you know, a kind of upper level player, I think, if not in the, well, I would expect him to be a Premier League player, but certainly a very good championship player if it's probably his, his absolute floor, I would imagine. Um, so, yeah, you know, a, a player of, you know, a lot of promise from a, uh, a prestigious club, if you like, a prestigious situation, a very highly thought of by Liverpool. You know, it's a little bit of a coup signing for us is what it felt like. Um, and, yeah, there have been some flashes. I, I guess the, yeah, the thing that sort of dumb, not dumbs, the thing that reduces this signing's happiness rating for me, I guess, is I don't see where he fits in our team right now, apart from just sort of cameos, I guess, when, you know, the situation kind of dictates it, which, to be fair, is exactly what we sort of saw with uh, with Brooks last season as well. So, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, you know, it's Woodburn's ability that means he hasn't really featured too much in the last couple of games. It's just we seem to have struck gold with our system and, and right now it doesn't really include him I think so um, yeah I, I'm going to go yeah 7 out of 10 there any any sort of final thoughts on, on that one or uh, all covered no just, just to kind of just, just defend almost my 5 out of 10 again it's nothing against Ben Woodburn that I'm giving him 5 out of 10 but you I've gone the other side of what you said you've hit the nail on the head really which is I was very happy when we signed him I'm very happy that we've got him I don't think he fits into what we're doing right now in terms of happiness, in a month's time, Ben Woodburn might have us all screaming from the roof. So he definitely has the ability. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, that could be one that we revisit at the end of the season, and it's like, oh yeah, actually, he's, he's phenomenal. Ten out of ten signing. Can't believe we had him on loan. Amazing. Um, all right. Uh, next up is Connor Washington, who uh, QPR very generously terminated his contract for us to sign him on a free transfer on the uh, the end of the um, the loan deadline. Weirdly, even though he's now here permanently um and i guess this my rating here will speak to the uh speak to how we're actually rating these because i'm going to give the connor washington signing the same rating that i gave the ben woodburn signing which is seven out of ten my thinking here is uh he's still pretty young he's he's a lot younger than our other strikers 26 he's somebody you know i would have been delighted to sign a couple of years ago uh always looks pretty decent offers us something different to what we have already you know he's quite he's quite quick he's the kind of player that's going to sort of run in behind uh free transfer is always nice big tick for that um i certainly wouldn't judge him by uh, a couple of poor seasons at a poor qpr team who've been you know managed by some mugs i guess during that period um so yeah i'm i'm very happy with this signing i mean i know it's not the the kind of the marquee martin waghorn British Sombolonga type signing that maybe we all uh, we all dreamed of in our sort of <laughs> just wildest fantasies, I suppose, with a with a Sombolonga. I have no idea where that rumor came from, um, but you know, it just seems a, a very very good seven out of ten signing for me. And uh, yeah, I think it will be it will prove to be a, a valuable member of the squad. If if you know, not a player that's going to score fifteen or twenty goals, still you know, there's still a lot of value in getting someone who can score you you know seven eight kind of share the load means that Clark and uh, Clark Sharp and McGoldrick don't have to start every single week yeah um, completely valid actually um, weird Washington so when I was when I, when I found out about Washington I was kind of like okay you know I see merit pace I see the variety even at that you know even at a cheap the, the fact that it was a free transfer makes it better um, but it, it, you know initially I thought it was like a cheap deal maybe like 100k or 200k so I was thinking okay so I can see not my first choice for a cheap deal. I wanted us to go for a cheap deal because I didn't think the good strikers were there anymore. I think they've gone. 
Um, and I was happy with a cheap deal, but I wanted something a little bit different. But the more I thought about it, I, I kind of erring with you. So I would have been a six, kind of, if you'd asked me this when, I, when we signed him. But I'm now actually a seven. And the reason I'm, I'm a seven is simply Chris Wilder, which sounds mm. weird talking about Connor Washington. <laughs> uh, but again, we're the same with Keen Bryan. So Connor Washington offers us what we don't have with pace, bit of movement, runs the channels. You know, Sharp does that, but Washington's got you know more pace and a bit more aggression in his running. Um, and then you add Chris Wilder into the mix. So what we're going to get with Chris Wilder is we're going to get a team that create chances for Connor Washington, who scored goals at Peterborough. We're going to get a team who will play to his strengths and he will add to our game. So he's going to add an extra element that we don't already have. And you're also going to get a player who's going to be highly motivated from a manager who seems to get the best out of people who no one else can. So you are, you, you know, factors together. We're either going to look at probably a minimum of seven to ten goals. That's what he was getting at QPR. Now, if he gives us seven to ten goals, I'm happy. You know, Very that, much that, so. that makes up. Yeah, that makes up for the five or six that Leon won't get this year. So if you take that, you know, without getting all Carol Vorderman about it, if you take that off nineteen, Leon then only needs to get twelve, eleven. You know, Connor Washington gets eight to ten. We've matched last year's goals already, which was what the ninth best in the league. So that's not bad. You're close to playoffs already. Um, you know, but you put in that that with the ceiling being Chris Wilder, Washington might go on to get twelve to fifteen. Um, you know, and, and that for me makes it a seven out of ten signing, especially the value with it being a free transfer. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. All right. Next up is Martin Craney, who joined also on a free uh, from Huddersfield. Uh, who's a defender? Uh, how would you rate this signing? Um, do you know what? Again, under—I wouldn't say it was underwhelming. It is an underwhelming name, and it is an underwhelming signing when you think about it. But it was, it was kind time, of a bonus signing. It was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's nice. That's exactly the word <laughs> Where did that come yeah, from? That was, yeah, that, that was exactly the word I was going to say, mate. It was like, I thought we were done at Washington, and then all of a sudden we're signing Martin Craig here. Okay. That's, you know, I get that again. Yes, we could be doing with another defender if Bash is going to go play midfield because we obviously lost Ryan Leonard. Mm. That, was, that was, again, and that, again, like the Norwood Evans, you have to factor in Craig with Leonard. I think because so, Leonard yeah, definitely. Was, I think it's obvious that Leonard was brought in to be the right centre-back, despite the fact he was a centre-mid at Southend. Um, his attributes at central midfield, in our system, make a very good right centre-back. And he was technically an upgrade on Chris Basham with his technical qualities and his athleticism. However, as we've discussed Basham previously, Basham's just completely moved his ceiling to another level. His performances get better and better, and he gets better. So all of a sudden, Leonard can't get in the team. And then you get an offer of what? One and a half million? For a player, you know, you can make double your money almost on a player who, quite frankly, we're never going to get that money for again unless he starts playing 40 games a year for us. I like Ryan Leonard, perfectly good player. I'm sorry to lose him. He's, a, I'm sure he seemed to be a great guy, and I'm sure he'll go on to do very well in the championship. But that type of money is not something we can turn down when there is an option of Martin Craigie, who West Brom were trying to sign, but we're trying to get rid of players before we could, and other clubs were interested as well, who's had a promotion out of this league. Again, let's remember that. This player was at Huddersfield when they got promoted. So it's more championship experience, more winning experience, and another solid addition to the squad. I see no downside to this transfer. It's a 10 out of 10 transfer is what you're saying. <laughs> I wouldn't say 10 out of 10. <laughs> I just, you know, but your happiness you know, Yeah, I'm very happy with it. So I, I, yeah, I'm going to go like... It's hard to say because he's not played, has he? So you know, he could turn out to be rotten and this will sound terrible. But I would go like a 6 out of 10 earing up to a seven because the only evidence so far is the dealings we've done we've got a lot of money in 
which means we're probably quite well held for January now. If we're, if we're close, we can have a punt in January. But we've got a solid addition to the squad. So we haven't really lost anything. Yeah. No, I'm going to add nothing more to that. I'm also 6 out of 10 and completely agree. Uh, the last signing uh, that we made in this window was Marvin Johnson, who is also here on loan. Uh, so, As far as I understand, there's no decision to, to purchase him yet. He's on a season-long loan, is that right? Yeah, I saw a couple of different variants of this from the club themselves. I thought it was just a loan, but I'm sure I heard Wilde saying in interview it was a loan with a permanent buy. Oh, okay. Um, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but I would have thought it would be because I'm sure Middlesbrough will be buying even now or in January as well. Um, yeah. So they bought in Sam McQueen from Southampton. Oh yeah. That will be a season. They, that will be a season loan because Sam McQueen, I know, is rated at Southampton, but I'm sure there'll be an option for them to buy if they uh, they go up and things. So. Mm. Yeah. So I'm uh, another signing that I'm very, I'm you know pretty happy with. We uh, we were linked with him for a, a very long time. Uh, you know, pretty much a, a whole month, I guess. Uh, well, maybe, maybe that's not actually a very long time, but it felt a long time. You know, <laughs> Wilder's even sort of talking about him in interviews and stuff as, in a kind of like, well, you know, the public are all talking about it, so I might as well talk about it as well. Um, yeah, he's kind of a, a speedy, left-sided kind of uh, attacking midfielder, I suppose. He kind of played there uh, against Sheffield FC in that testimonial, which... Obviously, won't read too much into, but you know, looked looked decent against uh, <laughs> non-professional opposition, so that, that's encouraging. But uh, yeah, his, his profile gives us something a bit different, I guess. Uh, you know, we do lack speed. That's something we've always talked about. Uh, a few of these players do give us that option, um, and yeah, it's uh, it, it, it just gives us something a bit different, I guess. And yeah, very low risk. Uh, I guess he's going to be squeezed out completely at, uh, at Middlesbrough. So if it does work out for us, I would imagine, you know, we would have a good shot at signing him for uh, not too much money, I think. And if it doesn't, then, uh, yeah, unless it is indeed a loan to buy, then uh, we'll be able to move on from him, I suppose. But yeah, seven out of 10 for me for this one, I think. Um, I'm going to go with seven. It could have been an eight in terms of my happiness level. A um, couple of reasons for that. One, Yet again, we've nicked a player off Nigel Adkins' toes. So I believe Sky reported that Marvin Johnson was having a medical at Hull, and all of a sudden Sheffield United signed him two hours later, which was incredible. Um, you know, uh, the last one that we did that with turned out very well, so that's a good record. Um, obviously, that was Norwood. Secondly, I know a couple of Borough fans who are quite knowledgeable about the game, who go to Borough often, and were quite sad to lose Johnson. Um, they, they didn't feel he was ever going to be you know, a superstar there, but they certainly thought he added a lot of good, positive things when he played. Um, so that, that, that's, that's good signs, because they are, they, are, they are very knowledgeable people. And thirdly, I've done a bit, a bit of work on Johnson as well, just for a little bit of an exercise to show someone in football what I can do with him. So I profiled him with the normal standard radar and then some kind of snippets and videos. I profiled him from his Oxford time, um, and I, I looked at every game he played for Oxford when he took up a left wing back position or a left back position. 23 games in total. He was one of the best dribblers in the game in the in the whole league, League One for 90 um, from his time at left wing back. He had one of the best crossing accuracies in the league from left wing back. And if you look at the video, his his mode of method of crossing is very different to Ender Stevens in the fact that Johnson gets the ball, he pushes it past the man, he runs past him with power and pace, and whips it in or holds a cross up to the back post. I love that, because that's different to what Stevens does. I like that. We, we are Ender defenders here. We love Stevens. I don't want to replace Ender. But to have that variety 
he's going to be invaluable because if teams sit in against us we can net out and we can't break them down we have an option of a man to come on and just power and pace himself past someone if we need to get back in the game we have Thompson to give it to if we need to be more technical we've got Stevens who can join up and link up play as well again it just goes to our squad building being much better and I think one thing we all know we've lacked is pace I mean the, the last day that we know Wild has addressed it with Washington and Johnson so I really cannot be happier with that signing um, again you know value if we get him on a, on a loan to buy, value for money, you've got a player who adds elements to the squad that you don't have, and he adds competition, which has clearly made Stevens better already. So, yeah, I'm going 7 out of 10. Nice one. All right, that concludes our ins. Now, let's just very quickly run through the outs because I, I, I want to get on to uh, championship narratives as well. So, um, yeah, just give me your quick thoughts on the sale of David Brooks as a, your happiness rating for this. It was like a like a four. Like I understood that we had to sell him for that money because it's ridiculous money for us as a club and where we're at now. And I understood Brooks wanted to go and be you know a superstar um, and earn good money as well. It's it's again. So so my happiness level is now a one close to a zero. Mm. Brooks him. He looks like an absolute gem. Statistically, he's one of the better players in the league. Um, he is in the Premier League. This is he is looking like he's going to play every single game for Bournemouth. He's starting games for Wales and he looks to be a big player for them. I honestly think in this this current form, if he does put a little bit of size and strength on, this man is worth £30 million in the next two years, maybe even upwards. I rate him that highly. So I am close to being suicidal over the fact we've got rid of him. Please don't do that. My happiness levels are just at the pits because the more I see him play for Bournemouth, the more I miss him. Oh dear, we'll have to move on from this very quickly. Um, I'm slightly more, I don't know, I don't disagree at all with anything you just said, um, apart from the suicidal part. Um, Yeah, I've got four out of ten. The thing is, you don't, I guess you don't know how he's going to pan out. Last season... You know, I thought he looked very good, but it didn't really fit our team. And there were there were games and times where he didn't look that good either. He looked completely lost. You know, he looked like someone who'd not had much football, basically. You know, it essentially, you know, probably played maybe, well, I don't know how many games, but he looked well behind the level of development that, you know, people maybe a couple of years younger than him uh, are or were. Yeah, as you say, with hindsight, I think this one may be... Uh, Maybe one to dwell on and be like, oh, is that really all we got for him? But yeah, I'm kind of in that position of it made sense at the time, the, the amount of money they were getting. But yeah, I think you could probably talk me talk me lower than a four out of ten, but that's that's what I'll give it anyway. I mean, you know, I think it's 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 brilliant that he's doing so well. It's it's great to see, but yeah, kind of wish either that was still for us or we were getting more money from him. I'm sure Bournemouth are extremely happy with the business they've done there. Yeah, definitely. No, it is, you know, all seriousness aside, it's wonderful to see. It's not an unhappiness thing that we got rid of him to our club. It's just un- unhappy that we don't have him anymore because I really do think he would have grown um, grown with him and showed this year. But he's, listen, he's playing in a team that are going to suit his style potentially even more than we will. You know, yes, we do play short, sharp passing, but we do need two strikers up top for our game. Um, and Bournemouth don't, you know, they've got an even more fluid style um, because they're, they're less defensively good than us. So, It'll be interesting to see how he goes on because I do know, you know, you follow your kind of Premier League stats, people, stats bomb and others like that. 
David Brooks has started to get talked about in those type of circles. And if, if those type of people are talking about him, it's because his numbers are good, which means big clubs will be seeing that. Yeah, definitely. All right, just uh, very quickly then, the, the Lee Evans sale. I mean, at the, at the time this happened, it was slightly baffling because uh, we, we didn't have Norwood at that point. But then in hindsight, I mean, we talked about this already, so I think we can just give a quick rating. If you take into take this into account as like, a, you know, almost a, a trade, if you like, Lee Evans out, Oliver Norwood and a small expenditure in, I think this is a 9 out of 10 bit of business. I'd only knock it down one point, I guess, just because at the time it was like, oh, we just sold a guy who started our previous games, even if he's not been that good. Like, <laughs> where is the replacement coming from? You know, we just sold a starter to a uh, a team in our league, I suppose. But yeah, overall, great bit of business, I think. And yeah, got a, a more than what we spent on him back. Uh, I'm, I'm going 10 again, and just simply because everything that you've said there, but even... Even from a Lee Evans perspective, no one's lost out of this deal because Lee Evans has gone to Wigan and he's actually one of the best creative midfielders in the league on the stats. So he's in, he's in top 10 for key passes, he's in top 10 for expected assists per 90. He's gone there and he's playing well. So no one has lost out of this deal. So I even feel good for Lee Evans, really. Um, yeah. you know, we've got no never going to look back from that. Evans has gone to a place he seems to love and plays well and they love him. It's one of these brilliant deals in football where no one lost. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, the only people lost is is me from seeing people be disproved by the fact he's actually a perfectly fine midfielder and he doesn't just pass it sideways as people say that he does, which is completely. And also now Lundstrom's the next man up in the uh, Sheffield United scapegoat list, so it's bad for John Lundstrom. I feel bad for him. <laughs> all right, next one. Uh, in fact, let's, let's make this the last one because uh, all the others are um, either released or very low fees. So Ryan Leonard, again, we talked about this a little bit. Um, I've got a 7 out of 10 happiness here. You know, money that we couldn't turn down for him, I think, as you said. I know it wasn't a ridiculous amount, but it was it was more than he was worth to us, I would say. Um, and you know, last season we saw very little from him that suggested he'd been worth signing for the amount that we paid for him, which which wasn't very much. So you know, not exactly a compliment, uh, complimentary comment for him there. But I, I guess just coming off the back of that Norwich game where he came on and you know he had a big impact. He, you know, it wasn't like a it completely transformed the game or anything like that. But suddenly you thought, oh, hang on, we, you know, this is a guy who could make an impact for us. Uh, for the rest of the season, and then suddenly we're like, oh, we've sold him. But, you know, we've brought Craney in, we've brought Johnson in, Washington as well, players that uh, potentially could be better than him. The uh, cumulative amount that we've spent on those players is is essentially zero. So, uh, yeah, look, looks a, a good bit of business, I guess, but this is probably a, it's probably a 10 out of 10 from a purely business point of view, but I will go 7 out of 10 happiness. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Um, again, like, seem to like Lenny as a person, seem to be really good with the fans and just a really good lad. Bought some things to the team. But anyone who thinks Ryan Leonard is going to, and I'm going to put my hat, like, hang my hat out here to be shot at, but anyone who thinks Leonard's going to be worth three, four million pounds in the future is just wrong. Um, he isn't, that's not his game. That's, he, he's not going to add enough impact to a game to do that. He can ball win, he's athletic, he'll get about the pitch. Those type of players of that level that he has, that technical level he has, aren't going to be worth that. So what we've got is probably towards the top end of his maximum value. And as we've already discussed, the free transfer crane to fill a slot in in the squad and more added funds for January if we're close, which you can clearly see Wilder's tactic here. He feels as though he's got a good squad together. 
we're clearly playing very good football. If we're in touch in January and we have that money available, Leonard, Brooks money, whatever it may be, I don't know, then he can have a proper go at this, hopefully. Um, mm. uh, you can't say no to that type of scenario, can you? No, absolutely not. All right, lovely. Let us move on to, uh, well, I don't know if we'd call this a game, but I think this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm shamelessly cribbing this from uh, the Ringer FC podcast, which is, is very good, and I listen to it a lot. But uh, this is how we're going to do it. So these are our championship narrative. So the way we're going to do this is I, I'm going to present you with a statement, which uh, you have, you've already seen, uh, but... I don't know what your opinion is on it yet. And you're going to tell me whether it's uh, whether it's a yes or no, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. And it is going to be based on uh, what the kind of popular narratives are from the championship so far. Now, just before we get into that, we obviously predicted the championship league table before the season got underway. We're now six games in. I'm going to give you one chance to pick one team to hold your hands up and say, I was wrong with my preseason prediction or... You can uh, stick to your guns and say, no, I'm, I'm confident that everything I've said is going to come to pass. What say you? Cough, Wigan, cough. <laughs> yes, they would be mine. Um, or Stoke, actually. Um, but, yeah, Wigan are going to be the one, aren't they? I, yeah, I believe the hype. I believe the newspaper hype at the time, saying they had no money and anything like that. And I thought, OK, they've got a lot of players who have failed at this level before. Yeah, no. Um, so we'll, we'll get on to this, I'm sure, in a minute. But kind of my XG table that I track week by week um, and that I tweeted out at the start of the week, I'll, I'll redo it again with this pod so people can see what we're talking about. But um, kind of working each game by game for each team, expected goals for and against, um, giving them points based on that. We're going to top of the league table in terms of the expected table. Um, they, they should have 15 points, whereas they only have 10 um, in, in reality, if you will. They have the best, in my, in my rankings, they have the best XG4. Um, although the 15th worst XG, the 15th best XG against, so maybe that's, that's something to hold on to for future for me. Um, but yeah, we're we clearly a, a very good team, very good manager. They've got a good system. They score goals. They create chances. They're not going to be at the bottom of the league. Yeah, just for anyone who doesn't know, we're talking about uh, Jay confidently predicted Wigan would finish all the way down in 24th when we did our preseason predictions. I actually had them slightly higher, like lower mid-table, but uh, I'm still way off myself. Um, yeah, your your XG table, uh, people should go and check this out if they haven't already. It's obviously on your Twitter feed, which is at Blades underscore analytic. The other one I've been looking at recently is um, the InfoGol app, so InfoGol. Uh, they do uh, essentially the same thing, uh, using a slightly different model, I suppose. And, uh, and yeah, they've got Wigan as the third best team in the championship based on uh, performance so far. So pretty much in agreement with what you're saying, I guess. And they, they also do a forecasted, uh, I guess, thing for the rest of the season, which is quite interesting as well. Um, they have Wigan coming 10th, so that is based on uh, past results and points accrued combined with simulations of all remaining matches. So, yeah, I think probably, uh, probably yes, you're probably going to be wrong on Wigan, but... There you go. You've held your hands up and admitted it, so all Wigan fans, I'm sure, will feel much better. Um, all right, let, let's let's get on to these narratives then. So, yeah, we're going to do a statement and a yes or no. Sorry, hold up. you ready? Sorry. Yeah, go on. Hold up. So, I have to be wrong, but you're not going to add it to any failure here. <laughs> no, no, I think everything's correct that I said. 
Okay, as the host of the pod, you get that privilege. Okay, I get that. <laughs> well, I'm just going. I'm just going to look now. I, I don't think. So I obviously, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, some of the ones that I predicted, obviously, uh, are currently not in those league positions. I mean, I said Bolton are going to come bottom, and they are eighth, I believe, at the moment. They're not going to finish eighth. They're going to they're going to get relegated unless something goes ridiculously wrong. They're they're playing far above themselves at the moment. Uh, Infogol has them as twentieth team. Your table has them as the twenty first, twentieth as well. I think actually twenty first. So um, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with I'm comfortable with everything that I've picked so far. I think. Okay. All, right. Um, all right. Let's review that after a few more games. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. All right, my first narrative. Uh, Sheffield United are fantastic and are going to finish in the top six, yes or no? Go. Um, oh. <laughs> um, you know what? No. But within or could be, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be realistic and say I I think overall quality wise we'll just miss out. However, clinical head on, small sample size of six games, yes. Um, uh, yeah, again, XG table wise, I've got us in fourth. On some models, we were fifth or third. We create chances. We're kind of in the top ten. We're expected goals for. Um, top five really sorry we're in the top 10 so I've got an eight for expected goals against and we seem to have a much deeper squad this year and more varying ways to play ah, yeah a yes or no answer would be a no because I'm trying to think with my head not my heart but I see no reason why we can't on current evidence my only thing would be according to my expected table the only team we have played in the top 10 is Middlesbrough and they did panners so Expected, you know, I'm talking performance-wise here, and chances made, chances against. I'm not, I'm not sure we've played a team that's playing well. We have played the Giant, and we've played a decent side in Norwich, and we've played Villa and with them, um, and we've played really well at QPR. But in terms of teams that are playing well at the minute and that are in form, I don't think we've played one of them yet. That will come this Saturday because I've actually got Bristol City above us in the expected table. So mm. I think this, this Saturday will be key for that answer, really, in terms of can we or can't we? Because we're going to play a rival who look like they're going to be close as well. Yeah, I'm also going to go with no. I'm in keeping with uh, you know feeling comfortable about my preseason predictions. I I think we're going to finish in that seventh to tenth bracket. I mean, I guess the the thing that encourages me is I I do very strongly feel like uh, we essentially have um, how can I put this? We're in sort of the same position as last year, but we've slightly upgraded. Or, or in some cases, significantly upgraded some aspects of our team. So, game management, set pieces, uh, you know, bit more variety up front, better defence. All that, in theory, should point to oh, we're going to go one further. And I, you know, I kind of maintain we were a bit unlucky last season. We, you know, I've banged on about it loads, but it conceded more goals than we should have done based on the chances that uh, teams created against us. We also you know, very naive at times, threw some points away. So lots of upgrade. Uh, excuse me, lots of upgrades. Very good, but then you also have to take into account that every other team is upgrading as well. And you know, you get some big boys coming down for the Premier League. To other teams like Leeds, etc. Tool up, Derby bring in a million players. Forest signed thirty-seven players, whatever it is. 
So yeah, for all for all those upgrades uh, and the fact that we do look a better team, we're, we're playing football probably better than anything we did at any point last season, even even pre Coops's injury. I think you know I think you still have to take into account the the, the level of op- opposition. I think there will be I think there'll be six teams better than us. So I, I'm going to go a no as well on this one. All right, uh, we're going to run through some of these quickly. I think so. Uh, let's go with. Leeds are the real deal under Bielsa and are going up. Yes or no? No. Ooh, go on. <laughs> uh, again, they're going face will be one no without. Um, okay, so I'm looking at the underlying data. I don't want to think that I expected anything is religious because we're six games in and this is all going to change in the next four to five games. And, and you know, at the 10 to 12 game mark, definitely worth a review I'm just doing it for for sake now but the one trend that is obvious is that Leeds are scoring a rate that is unsustainable um, unless they change with their performance so XG wise they are at 8.3 with me which is 11th highest in the league when in reality they have scored 14 goals which I'm looking down the list and that's the highest in the league apart from West Brom who scored 15 and obviously 7 goals were so, in you know, look at the raw data there. They scored the second highest goals in the league when really I've got them as the 11th best chance creation team. They're scoring goals that they can't do and they, they don't have the players to do that. You know, we saw last year that their players are not of the, the quality to walk this league. They're playing extremely well in a very attacking system from a guy that I studied at university and is one of the best coaches in the world. And they've got high motivation, high momentum and a lot of kind of energy. There's a lot of kind of critics of that style. Will it go through the season? I think Jonathan Wilson, if anyone listens to Football Weekly podcast, um, he writes the Guardian, Johnny Wilson. He's a, probably one of the best football writers there's ever been. He constructed Bielsa's career. Um, I don't want to make this a Bielsa homage, but he put to bed this myth that Bielsa's team tired. They don't. It was just that athletic season with Athletic Bilbao when they played Manchester United and panned them in the Europa League, I think. They tired at the end of that season. That, that's not been the, the case for his whole career. Um, Teams have, have, have results have dropped off, but it's not been through tiredness. It's been through other things when you look at the performance data. So it's interesting um, that that narrative, and I do understand it because his teams do run a lot. I'm sure the stats say Leeds have probably ran more than most or put more sprints in. But this is the champion. It's 46 games. It gets Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, cold nights, big sloggy pitches, and they're not Wolves. Let's not forget that he hasn't really signed anyone. Barry Douglas is a great signing at left back. A couple of good loan signings. They have not signed anyone that is frightening you know Wolves had Ruben Neves and some strikers from Spain and Portugal that will European Champions League class Leeds don't have that um, and I, I'm just I, yeah, I'm just not sure that that style is going to continue that and their finishing is just for me it, it's unsustainable so I'm going to go with no yeah I, I'm a no as well I, I do think um, I do think they probably will make the playoffs uh, I'm just trying to see where we thought, where we predicted them to come. So yeah, we had them finishing eighth, which coincidentally is uh, is what Info Goal have them at the moment, actually based on their current performance. I think yeah, I think they've probably got a good chance of making the playoffs, but I, I don't know. I, I don't see them going up. If I, I'm going to pick one side of that, I will go with no. They won't get promoted. Although yeah, they've certainly not had the leads of falling apart thing just yet. So. Hopefully it'll be on the way. That's what we all want to see, isn't it, at the end of the day? <laughs> all right, next one. 
Okay, let's let's get well, yeah, a, a Sheffield related one. Sheffield Wednesday are on their way back and will finish above United. This is Wednesday. They've just won three games in a row. They've shot up the league. They've signed a couple of players on loan. Uh, they're they're on the way back. They're going to finish above United. Yes or no? No. Uh, agree. You go with your reasoning first. All right, I will. Um, so, I, if memory serves, they have beaten uh, in those last three games uh, Ipswich, who are twenty third, Reading, who are twenty fourth, and Millwall, who are sixteenth, and. Mm, might not be very good. Um, furthermore, sorry, you're going to say something? That's really fair on Millwall, trust me, that's very fair. Okay. Furthermore, in uh, certainly in those last two games from uh, from what I saw on the XG data, they were pretty fortunate to win. Uh, Infogol do quite an interesting uh, fairness rating, which is obviously based on the expected goals and you know how how fair or unfair based on if you you know replayed the game x number of times what what the result would turn out to be and uh yeah wednesday pretty lucky with those ones um i you know i think we were pretty clear at the start of the season we don't expect wednesday to get relegated but we do think they will probably finish about where they finished last season uh i'd be amazed if they finished above us to be honest i'm a i'm a pretty firm no that they're going to be anything above you know mid-table 14th 15th kind of position and I, I think our ceiling is a lot higher than theirs what do you reckon yes pretty much the same lines won't go into it too much but I do want to get in just for a minute so we are a ladies podcast we're passionate about United but we're also analytical so if we get cold and hard facts about this take the bias out of the window I have Sheffield Wednesday as 16th in my expected table um the Ipswich game, Ipswich got a man sent off at 1-1 when Ipswich had a much higher XG than Sheffield Wednesday and were controlling the game. Um, they scored goals recently from positions where uh, they're low-quality chances. Um, Lucas Jowers had some great finishes. They scored from set pieces. They are doing well, and I am worried in terms of we're not going to walk them as, as we were last year and maybe at the start of this year. You know, I was very confident in the Derby games for probably the first time ever. Um, it's looking less so. They're looking like a decent side and you never know what momentum can bring but on the small sample size of performance so far, they're in an elevated position from where they should be. Um, XG-wise, they're, they're ninth in the league for XG4 um, which means you know ninth best team in terms of chance creation which is decent but I've actually got them as 21st for XG against um, which actually, if you talk to most knowledgeable Wednesdayites, I don't think that would be that much of a surprise I think they, they they would acknowledge their weaknesses defensively, um, which makes sense really um, because they're decent in the midfield. Whether we combine this argument or not, Barry Bannon has started the season extremely well. He's pretty much the only one behind Norwood in any of the passing stats and, and passes made stats. So I played to him. Bannon started well, and they've clearly got good strikers in Jow and Fletcher and Hooper when he comes back. But I don't think defensively they've got anything. Um, I know they've chucked a load of youngsters in recently and they're playing well, but. Youngsters will be inconsistent. They will have bad periods because that's what youngsters do. We saw it with Brooks, who is a world-class youngster. So I, I think that that kind of underlying data would suggest a trend there, and uh, I'm not sure that that performance level is sustainable. Um, I think they've got some hard fixtures coming up, so actually it'd be a very good test of, of if they are a, a real side again or not. Mm. 
Indeed. Even with these, uh, you know, that relatively kind run of recent fixtures, Infogol has them as the 19th best team so far, and their forecast for the season is that they'll finish 16th, uh, whereas as I was finishing fourth. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident saying, uh, yeah, they're not going to finish above us. I'm, I'm happy to uh, stick with that preseason prediction. Uh, all right, and let, let's do another United related one. Uh, Billy Sharp will score 15 or more goals this season. Yes or no? Has four already in. There's three in the championship, isn't it? 15 or more goals in the league. Right. So another 12. Yeah. Um, now. Okay. And I want to say yes, but now. Um, so I'm looking, like I say, he's got three goals already. Um, XG per game, 0.39. That's not bad. But as I say, let me just look at my database. That's, that's 15th best in the league, XG, so far. Adding that up across the season. He'll be close. <laughs> if he carries mm. on with his current positioning, his underlying numbers, the chances we're creating, he'll be close. I do think with Billy, he seemed, although he, he was quite fit for a lot of last year and missed games more for Wilder's choice, he always picks up little niggly injuries, doesn't he? I don't think he ever does a full and I might be wrong on that. That might be a weird take, but from what I can remember, Billy always has a little injury, whether it's four or five weeks. Um, and, and I think last last season that coincided with him having an injury, and then all of a sudden we, we kind of didn't need him in the team anymore. So when he came back, he didn't get in either. Um, yeah, I, I just think he'll fall slightly short. Um, I don't think we're going to get anyone who's going to score more than 15 this year, which is really the strong point of why we need Billy to get... I mean, Billy got 13 last year, and I think if he gets that again, it's an outstanding return, quite frankly. At his age and being wrote off again, if he's getting 13, I'm ecstatic with that because I'm expecting us to score goals in different areas, which we already are. The midfielder, yeah. in, we're getting set pieces, and hopefully with McGoldrick and Washington, we have better upgrades than Wilson and Donaldson, who will contribute between 8 and 10 goals each. So I would say no, he won't, but he will probably will be our top scorer, if that makes sense. Uh, that's interesting. Maybe I should have said that. I, I was, yeah, I was leaning towards a yes, and you've actually presented a very logical argument. I think the, the goals being shared around is the thing that will, will will do it for me. I know that's you know that sounds very simplistic, but you know the fact is if we're suddenly you know getting goals from central defenders that we weren't getting, then that changes how we approach the game. You know, if we're suddenly one nil up when we were nil nil, we'll be sitting back a little bit and you know taking fewer fewer chance fewer risks, I suppose, but. Yeah, I think if he stays fit, I mean, with twelve more goals this season, he's you know he seems to be uh, a guaranteed starter at the minute just because you know he always gets that one chance, he's always in the right place, and he always sticks it in the back of the net, and that is extremely valuable. Um, I guess, do you reckon if I'd said twelve, if I'd said he will score twelve league goals this season, do you think you would have gone yes? Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I would have gone if you would have said he's going to be our top scorer. I would have gone with that as well. Yeah. Uh, I think he will. The only thing I would say is it looks like Billy won't be on penalties if McGoldrick's on the pitch. Mm. Uh, because obviously McGoldrick, I know Billy normally would take them, um, but McGoldrick took the one at QPR, so I can only assume, I mean, I know he won that one, but I wouldn't imagine Wilder does that rule. I would imagine Wilder has a designated taker. Yeah. Uh, and if that is to be McGoldrick when he's on the pitch, I would imagine Sharp gets more minutes than McGoldrick, but that's that's quite a high source of goals for a striker, isn't it? You know, you're probably talking four or five goals a year there, or, or three or four. So if you take those off him as well, um, that that's probably why he won't get 15 or so. I know Leon didn't score a penalty last year. He's actually the highest scorer in the league for non-penalty goals, but I don't think that's going to happen again this year. Although, interestingly, mm. just while well, I've, I've mentioned his name, 
second highest XG in the team per game, Leon Clark, 0.33, is only slightly behind Billy Sharp. So again, let's let's not count Leon out of potentially scoring goals this season because he, he's got the position in to do so. He's just not quite bagged yet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, next one. Uh, let's go with um, you should bet on Brentford for promotion. Yes or no? Yes. Um, I think yes as well. Go on. So the only thing I would say about this, and it's a completely unanalytical thing, is just if I think of Brentford, and even when I look at their squad, I still think there's three teams better. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't mean the course of a season. I don't think there's many sides better than Brentford over the course of a season. But in one-off games, if Brentford get in the playoffs, do they beat Middlesbrough in two games? I would always go with Middlesbrough. Because I'm going to go with the Pulis know-how. I'm going to go with that strong team who can keep a clean sheet and score from a set-piece. If Brentford get in a game of football with anyone, I think they beat anyone in the league. Um, potentially only West Brom above them because West Brom strikers are outstanding for this league. But, yeah, performance data-wise, so I've got them second in my XG table. They're actually first for expected goals against this year, which is something they're normally not. Mm. Um, a second for expected goals for. So a lot of questions were asked of why, they, why are we signing Johnny Egan if he's that good? Well, the answer is Brentford have to their models and their statistic models that they use, they've got better players um, that they thought of. And that, I wouldn't say that's true necessarily, but their style, their players certainly suit them. Um, if they can keep more clean sheets and don't concede as many goals, they will be in the top six, if not the top two, because they are going to score probably the most goals from open play in the league. Um, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, basically that's it. I, I can see top two. Uh, if I If I hadn't retired from gambling after my incredible 250 to one shot during the world cup <laughs> then uh <laughs> then I, I would put a small amount of money on brentford who uh yeah in for goal have them as the the best team uh the number one ranked team uh and they're forecasted to finish in the top two by their model as well just like last season they're creating shed loads of chances and not finishing them maybe to the uh the degree that they should be but all the same they've got um they are the top scorers uh, sorry the third top scorers in the championship um and yeah look look like they're going to be extremely good this season I, I i just feel you know not to well I, I just feel they're like they've followed the the fulham model almost of just building season after season uh and yeah th- this one could be their year last year arguably should have been their year based on their level of performance um, yeah, I, I think they'll be in the Premier League in the next couple of years, unless you know something completely torpedoes their their structure, which doesn't seem likely because it's because it's a structure basically. You know, it's not like you remove one piece and the whole thing's going to come tumbling down. So uh, yeah, I, I would also go yes, you should bet on Brentford for promotion. Um, when you look at, just quickly, when you look at Brentford, they sold probably their best player or best midfielder in Ryan Woods and. Mm-hmm. He didn't play for the three games before he was sold, and no one person in the world could tell a difference because the players that yeah. are coming behind him playing just as good, if not better. They also have just a quick one on Brentford. They also have probably the best player stats-wise in the league in Neil Morpé, who has the highest xG per game and one of the highest xA's per game. Um, mm. So, yeah, his thing last year was he was one of the highest xG's in the league, but he didn't create. He was likely score. Sorry, he was likely Gregory. Whereas this year he's taking chances and being in the right position as well. So. They've got a 20 goal season striker there if he converts, and they will create much more for other people as well. So, he, yeah, safe money on Brentford, I think. 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's currently suspended, I think, isn't he, for a uh, red card against Villa? But I, I saw his like his goals per uh, minutes per goal is like sixty-eight or something like that. Goal every sixty-eight minutes so far. I know we're you know into small small samples still, but geez, that's pretty impressive. And yeah, in a in a team that creates that many chances, that's potentially uh, <laughs> not too much of a fluke. To be honest, he's still going to be banging him in for the rest of the year. All right, next one. Um, Swansea will finish the highest out of the three relegated teams. Uh, they are currently the highest. They will finish as the highest. Yes or no? Not a chance. Interesting. So let me let me just uh, quickly list off where they are. So Swansea are in seventh. West Brom are in ninth, uh, one point behind. Stoke are currently in eighteenth. Uh, they are six points behind. So why why are you a no chance on Swansea? So my my model is actually more similar to experimental three six one than info goal for XG. My model has Swansea in twenty third. Um, it is a very Ouch. small sample size. Yeah, it's a small sample size, and obviously this is based on expected points. So if your model suggested Swansea should have got a draw somewhere, that would have bumped them up four places. You know, so it is too early to do this type of thing. I'm not looking at the places. I'm just looking at where it is, if you get what I mean, in what quadrant of the league it's in. It's in the it's in the bottom quarter of the league, if you will. And I don't think many models have higher than 16. So I'm going with it. I don't think they're that good. Um, I think they're poor defensively. So they've only conceded five goals, I believe, so far. Yeah, so they've uh, only conceded yep. goals, which is one of the lowest in the league. However, XG-wise, I've got them as 19th worst team in the league. They should actually have conceded about 10 goals so far. Mm. Um, that's a big variance even at this small sample size isn't it you know what you're looking for at this this just more statistically talking you're not looking at the positions because it means nothing after six games you're looking for trends that's what you're looking for you're looking for anything standing out as something that's consistently happening over the six games so it it looks unsustainable and, and Swansea's defensive record looks unsustainable they're also extremely inconsistent so they had this performance away at Millwall which was about as dogged as you can ever get away at Millwall down to 10 and win the 2-1 it's one of the results of the season. Maybe not this year because Millwall don't look that good, but it's still a tough place to go and win. But then I saw them against... And they, they, they were awful. And their XG was shocking as well. And then against us, they were decent. They were a decent footballing team, but we should probably got a point not won that game. Um, against Leeds, they were good. I, I just think they're so inconsistent. And I also think that that question was, will they finish higher than the other relegated teams? Well, I don't think anyone... I think if you finish above West Brom, you're in the top six. And I don't think Swansea making the top six. I think West Brom are going to be up there, no doubt. There's no way Jay Rodriguez, Dwight Hill, Strike Force finishes below six. Yeah. It just doesn't. I'm, uh, I'm with you. I think uh, also with Swansea, actually, they've. Um, I think they've lost quite a few players since they played us. So. Uh... Uh, Fernandez has gone to the defenders gone to Newcastle. Uh, Klukas has gone to Stoke. Uh, I can't remember. The, no, Bartley didn't play. Didn't play against us. He was already at West Brom. But yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I sort of, I kind of feel like Swansea aren't that bad. But then I saw them in that Birmingham game. They were abysmal. Um, yeah, a lot of the underlying data has them, as you say, lower mid table, if not if not worse. Um, and yeah, the big thing for me is. Uh, yeah, West Brom look a really, really good team and uh, going to be pushing for an automatic promotion spot. I think I just don't see how they don't score shed loads of goals. So, yeah, good for them. Um, 
All right. Uh, on a, on a similar similar note, all three promoted teams, uh, as in who've come up from League One, will stay up. Yes or no? No. <laughs> I was just for a second there. I was like, Wigan, Blackburn, Ah, Rotherham. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe I should have said two out of three promoted teams will stay up. In which case, yes, one hundred percent. I think they might even be close to the top six for them. But no, unfortunately not. I actually have a lot of time for, and this is going to sound condescending, but I have a lot of time for looking Rotherham. I really do because they they don't have the. So we moan at United about our, our budget. Well, let's face it, Rotherham in a different league. They've probably got a lower budget than Burton Albion had last year. Um, yeah. I would say that's probably true. Looking at their transfers, I I feel so sorry for them because it does do it make a difference in this league. I hope they do stay up because I do like Paul Warren. Um, I, I think he is mm. a very just wildery type manager, and I do wish them well. I don't have any Yorkshire bias against Rotherham. Maybe it's because I don't see them. It's because they're horrible, but I don't see them as a hated rival at all. You know, but um, I, I do want them to stay up because I do like generally Yorkshire teams to do well, except Wednesday. Um, <laughs> but I just, I just. I, they're not going to have the quality, are they? They're going to concede a load of goals. They're going to get whipped every now and again. They're probably going to pick up some good wins at home, like battling performances. But I, I heard some Rotherham fans on, on Radio Sheffield who actually sometimes talk some sense. And uh, they were kind of saying, if teams come and play the Millwall kind of style, where you know they're going to battle and compete, then Rotherham have you know, probably better players for that style and they'll probably win. But 90% of this league play passing football and Rotherham can't deal with that. So they're going to go down. And that was their words. Um <laughs> No. I think that's the best to sum it up, to be honest. Yeah, no, I think so as well. I'm just looking down the table now. Infogol have them as the 23rd best team. Uh, only one, two teams have scored uh, fewer goals than they have. They also got you know the ship to load as well. Uh, admittedly, a load of that was against Brentford on the first day of the season as well. But yeah, I think uh, certainly Wigan and Blackburn look like they're in for promising seasons, if not maybe maybe not to the levels. Uh, I, I know Wigan are currently uh, bossing the underlying numbers, but yeah, I, I'm not sure either of those teams will have a season on a par with what United had, or certainly in the first sort of four or five months of our season last year. But yeah, Rotherham would be the one for me, I think. Um, what about uh, Nottingham Forest have signed too many players and are going nowhere? Yes or no? 100% yes. Um, I, I completely agree. Go on. <clears throat> very, I'll be very quick on that because I understand we're, we're taking a lot of time. But, so, really good guy on, on social media who uh, works for Football 365. I'm sure you follow him. Daniel Story. Mm, yeah. Daniel Story. So, he's, he's always on the Totally Show. Um, Daniel Story is a brilliant football journalist and he's also a Nottingham Forest fan. Um, but he's a very good and knowledgeable Forest fan. I think they've got a squad now with 30, 31 players in. I've heard, I saw they were linked with... Uh, they signed some Greek guy. They signed Claudio, Claudio Jacob, Jacob the other day. Yeah, they're now linked with Bakary Sacco. I mean, he'd be a very good player in this league, don't get me wrong, but it just seems like they're just filling the squad full of players who are... Have, have, they've got no template of how they want to play. They've got a manager who is predominantly defensively minded and very good at being defensively minded, trying to fit in all these attacking players and foreigners. And they spent a lot of money, but not got quality for it. I, I just there is no system of how they play. I'm sure they might have a good period where they shoot up the league because they're clearly going to have some quality. But I think, if anything, they they might even be lower than some of their fans think. They, they could mm. be in trouble. I'm not saying they're going to get relegated, but if they start to lose games or not win games with a side that's full of individuals and with no playing style, they could topple. I mean, I have them in 
18th at the minute for XG. They're 14th in the league. Scored eight, conceded eight. But I've got them as the 21st worst team for chance creation. So they should have yeah. only scored between five and six. I mean, when you think you spend 26 million on attacking players, that's a pretty poor return. Infogol have them bottom of the league on performance so far. Uh, although their projection is that they will finish 15th, which is about where they were last season, which is not exactly progress given the uh, amount they've invested. Um, I, I agree, mate. This, uh, actually, coming back to, uh, do I want to change any of my predictions? I had Forrest, uh, I did predict Forrest to come second, I think, in the league, which which currently oh, wow. looks a long way off. Yeah, yeah, I think our, um, I think on our table, we the way that we did it had them sixth. There's a long way to go. They have undoubted quality. I think I did say, you know, a bit of a wild card pick there, I suppose. But the one thing I do remember bringing up is uh, how good a manager is Karanka. I don't know how much say he's having in some of these transfers, but it's like the opposite of what United are doing, where we're sort of gradually upgrading in key positions. They're just like, they're like an eight-year-old on FIFA with uh, unlimited budget, just like sign all the players. Um, you know, just sign some random players that you've heard of, or you know, scored against somebody scored against you in FIFA. You just sign them. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at the moment. They look a complete mess. Uh, underlying numbers, as we said, as we say, have them way down the league. Um, yeah, I, I think Karanka will be uh, will be gone before too long, and <clears throat> perhaps at that point they'll pick it up. But I mean, it, it, it could have very long term implications for them the amount that they've obviously sunk into this season so uh interesting one to watch i think watch this one develop mm, yeah they have and, and i don't mean to just bring them up with them, they have sheffield wednesday written all over them if they don't go up they really a little bit. Just, I, I, I don't want to do this whole brexit thing of them signing a load of foreigners but they have signed a lot of foreign people who will get their hell out of dodge once that starts going wrong um you know, I, I'm, that's a big assumption to make, but I don't think a lot of these players will be sticking around in Nottingham if, if they're not getting anywhere near promoted. Um, and that leaves them pretty poor. I, I think they had some. I think they had a decent thing going last year as well with the whole youth thing. They they were inconsistent, but they had performances like they beat Arsenal four two. That they were a good side. They came to Bramall Lane and absolutely outplayed us in that nil nil draw. Mm. Um, you know, like we we know fans like to celebrate nil nil draws, don't we? Certain fans. Um, <laughs> But, but Forrest generally were very good in that game. Um, and I thought they had a good thing going with Brayerton. And they saw, yeah, they saw like Ben Brayerton for seven million, which, yeah, it's good money. But he's like a 20-year-old, 19-year-old kid who they invest a lot of time and money in. And he was a potential superstar. And they're bringing in 30-year-olds on free transfers. I'm, I'm really confused. And I don't care, Forrest, not us. But I agree. It's, I'd be worried if I was a fan of theirs. Because if they don't start picking up soon, that momentum can soon go against you in this league. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's uh, let us leave the narratives there. Unless there's anything else you want to. I know we haven't got to all of these. Is there any anything else you want to uh, to do from a narrative perspective, or uh, ready to move on to next section? Next section, my friend, because we we are, we are doing a marathon pod, aren't we? It is a marathon. We're giving the people what we want. People keep telling me to do a two-hour podcast. We're not going to do two hours because I'll fall asleep. But (laughs) I guess we're going to run slightly close. Um, I actually just want to do one final point on this. If you had to pick one team from the championship uh, who you think will finish the furthest away from their current league position, who would it be? Oh, that's a great one. 
I know. I don't think I included that in my original show notes, so apologies for dropping that one on you unannounced. No, no, that's cool, that's cool. Let me sort my XG table by real positions. Um, okay, so real positions. All right. Um... I think there's an obvious answer, but maybe maybe there's two obvious answers. Go on, then. You go, because you seem to have good ideas here. All right. Bolton. Bolton are going to finish 12 to 14 places below where they are at the moment, which is currently 8th. I, I still think they're going down. Uh, at, at best, they'll be 18th or 19th. So, yeah, I would give them a, at least a 10-place differential from now to the end of the season. Um, I've got another one as well, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you. Okay, so I'm looking at the table. I'm guessing your other one is Stoke. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I know the, uh, Again, I know the underlying numbers suggest they're pretty much where they deserve to be. They've been terrible. But I just can't believe that's going to continue. I, I do think that is going to pick up the the quality of players they have. I do think Rowett is a good manager at this level, even if yeah, it's not off to a great start at all. Um, yeah, I, I think they will shoot up the league. Perhaps uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not ready to climb down from my Stoke are going to win the league take just yet. Even though they are already eleven points behind, I think it is. Um, is it eleven? Uh, no, it's not that many, is it? It's only. Uh, it's only nine points. There you go. They're still going to win the league. Nine, nine, <laughs> points. Yeah, that's, that's not crazy. Yeah. Not, not in the championship, anyway. Um, no. Yeah, Stoke are interesting. I, I, yeah. I really find Stoke interesting because it, it's like these clubs that get in a downward spiral. It doesn't seem to matter who plays for them or who the manager is. They just can't break it. Um, you know, that cloud seems to be lingering over, as it were. And I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Just interesting with Stoke. I completely agree with you. Logically, they're going to turn that around. Rower is a perfectly decent manager and they clearly have very good players I just wonder if a couple more results go wrong that crowd can turn quite quickly and I wonder if that could be him gone and then it's who comes in next and yeah. all, Sam Allardyce is in charge of you and you know oh my God. <laughs> at least that's Stoke though isn't it they go back to Stoke football they'll probably get promoted and bring in a long throw specialist and cycle football and all that um, but yeah that, that, that's probably the main one okay so I'm, I'm going to throw out one that's going to be uh, controversial and potentially egg on face but it's a bit more of a long shot without using the uh, kind of not the top 20 betting type thing but I'm, I'm just mm. going to throw out a long shot then because you picked the obvious ones there um, I'm going to say Ipswich oh okay Ipswich at the minute are 23rd and I think yep. they will finish or mm, kind of 10th sorry 10th 12th to 15th okay what was your oh. uh, well I see on your table you have them fairly high actually Seven, yeah, seven. Um, so I, yeah, and and, and regard, again, regardless of position, which model we use, whether it's mine, InfoGoal, Experimental, Y Scout, whatever you have, kind of that's not the important thing at the minute. The important thing is if you break down each game, have it switch being unlucky, and the answer is yes. They've been very mm. unlucky in a lot of their games. Um, they actually have one of the best defenses in the league for expected goals against, uh, and that's that's come to fruition because they only conceded five goals, I believe. Is that right? Five goals. Yep. Uh, yep. They've only conceded five goals, but they've only scored five, and their expected goals. Sorry, they conceded uh, conceded nine. Sorry, nine is it? Yeah, scored five, oh, conceded yeah. nine. Wrong column. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah. I mean, when you look at that, so sorry, that's why they are down there. Apologies. When you look at that, they've actually conceded more than they should have done. Their their chance creation is probably their big thing. They don't have a striker, and Wagon was the man last year, but. 
I don't know. I just really like Paul Hurst. I think they've been unlucky, and I don't think I think there's definitely three worse teams than Ipswich. Put it that way. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because the teams down there are probably going to climb Preston, Stoke. Like I say, Rotherham will probably fall. That's why I said Forest could be in trouble. And also, you know, like I think we've already touched on Millwall. You know, what, what are they going to do to get out of this slump? They seem to have a way of playing, and if that doesn't work, what do they do? So that could be interesting yeah. from the bottom. Of the but I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out there on the numbers and say Ipswich will climb eventually. Cool. All right. Good call. Okay, just to finish up from uh, probably our longest podcast so far, uh, we played Bristol City this weekend. Uh, just a few few words just on that one, I guess. So, um, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be uh, probably harder than the Villa game is is what the yeah uh, advanced metrics would suggest, I guess. You know, Bristol City. I probably called them Bristol about three times already. I just can't kick that out of it. Sorry. Anyone who listened to this last season will know that very well. Um, yeah, they they lost some huge players, uh, literally in the case of Aidan Flynn. Uh, Bobby Reid as well uh, was their top scorer last season, uh, one of the championship top scorers. He's gone to Cardiff, but they have replaced him with some good ones. Uh, Webster from Ipswich, I believe, slotted in at central defence. And uh, Vyman from uh, Derby? Is from Derby or Villa? I can't remember. Derby, mate, yeah. Derby, he is uh, the joint top scorer in the championship with five goals already. So, um, yeah, any uh, any just sort of quick quick preview on this? I'm sure we'll have a, a full thing on uh, theblades.com this weekend as well. But, yeah, any uh, any quick thoughts on Bristol City away? You're obviously going to this game. Yeah, just it'll be a tough one. Um, it's a tough place to go and play football. They're a decent footballing team. They can, they can match you up with pace and power as well. And, and underlying one, numbers wise, they are one of the top top teams in the league, just like us. So, be a really good marker where we're at. Actually, um, you know, good international break. I think everyone's fit. Um, so, selection headaches for Wilder and competition of the team now. We've already spoke about the squad's kind of really formed now. It's probably the best squad we've, we've had under Wilder. So, it'd be really interesting to see how that competition works. And uh, yeah, it'd just be a really good performance indicator, won't it, of where we're at? You know, we've mm. just got to Villa at home. So, can we now go away against? sides that are going to be around the top six and this last year was a bit of a, a sticky point for us we didn't get really any points against top six away from home so can we go and, and grind out a point or go and win the game be interesting to see they, they've got some dangerous players you've already touched on Vyman they have Nicholas Eliasson at left back mm. who I believe is a Swedish international he is actually do, 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 one second I think he's up there as one of the top key passers in the league. He's also up there as one of the top expected assists in the league. He's like 10th from left-back, so he's clearly a danger man. And I think the way they play, if you remember Joe Bryan last year before he went to Fulham, he's going to be flying mm. forward down the side. So I expect a lot, of, a lot of crosses into the box, a lot of kind of wing play. And was, I think it's Jed Jew, is it, up front? The big guy up front, he's really powerful. He's oh, fast. yeah. So it's going to be a, a good test for our back line to see if Egan really is, you know, settling in the real deal um, and it'll be a good test in the midfield as well because one thing I've been trying to say to people is I'm I'm excited about Norwood and I think Anthony Att said it was sorry I might have got his name wrong there but he wrote a wonderful little article on comparing Norwood and Coots um, mm. it's a really good read um, I, I spoke to Anthony about it I said, said to him it's really good read really nice breakdown of, of their styles and could they play together do they take up the same positions but one thing that I'm really interested to see with Norwood is a bit of a larger sample size I feel as though the, the teams we've played, regardless of who they are, we, we've played them all in the same style, which is Norwood's had plenty of the ball, plenty of touches. We've not been on the back foot unless we wanted to be, like the Villa game. 
I'm I'm excited to see how Norwood plays when we're against you know back. So we're not having a lot of the ball. We're not having a lot of territory. We're under pressure from good answers. Can we? Can Norwood then turn a game around? Can he dictate a game? Can he get hold of the ball? Can he create something? Can he bring others into play? That's what we missed last year. If you think of the away games at Fulham, we started okay and then they dominated. You know, mm. Middlesbrough away season, they just took the game away from us with set pieces. Can we be solid, but can we play? Um, and so I'm really interested to see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, I went into that Villa game thinking this is, you know, we've just beat Bolton and QPR teams that are going to be near the bottom of the league. And, uh, you know, this would be the real, the real marker of... Uh, our level of performance, I guess, and uh, yeah, we answered that one pretty emphatically. So yeah, looking forward to seeing how this one goes as well, and uh, you know, just seeing how good this team could potentially be. I suppose. Um, all right, mate. Let's uh, let's leave it there for uh, an absolute beast mode podcast. Uh, just just before we want to finish, I just want to quickly plug the uh, the first Dem Blades annual, which I'm sure most of you will have seen by now. Uh, it's put together uh, as crowdfunded by Blades, written by Blades, including uh, something from myself as well on, on Leon Clark, which uh, I had a lot of fun writing. Um, and it's it's just a very, very good fanzine. Uh, you can buy it on dem-blades.com. Uh, I, I really, really recommend it, even you know, even if I hadn't written something for it. Is there, there's some some brilliant articles in there. I've I've had a you know really really good time reading it, and uh, hopefully it'll be the the first of many going forward. So um, yeah, if you if you've not picked it up already, I think it's about six quid, which is absolutely well worth your money. Um, and uh, yeah, strong recommend on that one. Have you, have you got yours yet, mate? Uh, I do not. I need to order that. Um, I'm waiting because I'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks so I, I was there waiting because I have it for the holiday um, as well as Danny Hall's book as well um, oh, yes. I'm going to give a bit of a great idea to plug Den Blades and I'll also want to give a bit of a plug for Danny because um, from what I'm hearing from people who have Danny's book it's really good read and really insightful as well so get both he's both Sheffield United definitely get Den Blades because that's done by Blades fans for Blades fans so it's what we all ask for. It's the kind of stuff we love, away day stuff and, and some analytical stuff from you, Ben, as well. So, uh, do you know what? Just There is a lot of brilliant Blade stuff out there, so do support it because the more we support it, the more we can all do these types of things that give us all entertainment. So, Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned uh, Anthony Adsed there as well. Uh, he, his, his article that is actually published on uh, denblades.com as well, so do go and check that out if you haven't seen it already because, yeah, uh, brilliant read and, uh, as always, it's... You know, great to see all this stuff around United that you know I guess wasn't there like three or four, maybe slightly longer, but you know, a while ago I guess. Uh, you know, it's great to have so much interesting, funny, sometimes completely bizarre content about the uh, the football team we love, and it's yeah it makes uh, makes the the days where there's no football being played go much more quickly. So. Um, yeah, good stuff all around. Um, cool, mate. It's uh, it, we we're just about to hit one hour fifty, so we didn't get to two hours. But you know, I've, I'm gonna have to get to sleep at some point. So uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks a lot for giving up your your time. I hope you enjoy the rest of your stay in Bristol and get to return to Lincolnshire with three points for the Blades. I do very much want the same. I cannot concentrate on my course for excitement. Please bring back club football, and I don't care about the Nations League. Never give me international football unless it's a World Cup again. It, it took me about three days to uh, realise that the, the Nations League 
is not the National League. <laughs> I, just, I just thought everyone, I was like, why is there all these articles about the National League? Is it just like one of those non-league day things? I was really confused. Um, but yeah, I, I'm similar. So uh, yeah, bring back club football, uh, particularly the Red and White Wizards. All right, mate, let us leave it there. Thank you very much again. Uh, do go and subscribe to Jay on Twitter, which is Blades Analytic. Check out our website, theblades.com, where you will find previews, reviews, and lots of interesting articles as well. In fact, you, you've got something on the way to go up there, actually, haven't you? On uh, expected assists, is that right? Yeah, yeah, very briefly. I had a lot of questions from the expected goals article on, on what else we can use it for, um, those, those type of metrics and, and analysis, so... Done a little bit of a, a, a breakdown of expected assists, very similar to the XG one, which is just giving some examples um, with some GIFs this time. So some actual animation in there so you can see it move on and, and what it is with the values. And, and also kind of giving you a current leaderboard as well. So top 30 of the championship and a breakdown of the Blades, kind of top creative players as well. So just just a nice little snippet really of where it's at so far, what we use XA for. And uh, it's clearly catching because more people are asking about that type of thing and, and analysing the game that way. So it's really interesting to see. I love it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be up on the site in the next day or two. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, it'll already be up there. But, yeah, uptheblades.com for all writing from myself and Jay. And, uh, yeah, you can find these podcasts on there as well, of course. Um, All right. Thanks once again, mate. I will speak to you very soon, I am sure. But, yeah, cheers for uh, taking time this evening to uh, chat about the Blades and the Championship. Very much enjoyed it as always. Yeah, no problem, mate. When I don't have a two-year-old or a missus around, it's good. So maybe that's my problem. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll edit that bit out. (laughs) Please please do. She's probably got cameras in here listening now. (laughs) All right, mate. I'll speak to you later. Thanks a lot. All right, buddy. Bye now.